You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, Greg Hectus. 400! What? 400th episode. <laughs> That's crazy, huh? Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Happy Saturday. Yeah, an odd Saturday for a recording. And Justin Pearson. What up, my friends? Welcome to the iRacers Lounge 400th episode. On the show today, we'll review the final eNASCAR Coke Series race before the final championship race and see who will be in the final four. We'll check out iRacing with a projector and ask if iRacing needs more legacy NASCAR options. Yeah, that's right, Mike, and you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So log on to iRacersLounge.com for our 400th episode, and we'll see you there. All right, let's open up with Petty's Pontiac. We've got a picture of Petty's garage, and it has uh, the car that you can finally drive in iRacing, their 87. And a neat video that shows how they scan it um, and what the process looks like. Uh, basically, it starts with uh, putting, looks, looks like to me, painter's tape or scotch tape on the, the actual car. Um, on the tape, it's got dots that are spaced out. It looks like every four inches. And so they, they basically put the tape on all the contours of the car. Every time there's a you know, there's a lot of tape on the car, in other words. And then they have like a handheld scanner and they're just kind of walking around the car with this handheld scanner, just kind of pointing it at the tape with the dots on it. That's got to be a really, got to have a really sensitive gyro and accelerometer in it. I think they were, what was it, like three or four years ago, they got this this special gun that they've been using to scan cars. And it's like one of the more sophisticated things to... uh um, produce these vehicles. I just love how it, it, it looks like a pretty easy process, you know, as far as getting the scan. You can also see a moment at the end where the guy is taking photos with a high-res camera. So I know photos are a part of it as well. But, you know, it made me think, you know, they go to Petty's garage to get this old car. What if we, uh, you know, let iRacing get access to the Indy Museum at the property at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? There's some major, major Indy cars in there from the past. Uh, how about some Indy Classic? We'd have to call it Star, 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 Star Classic. <laughs> Do you remember uh, when they used? They were showing this tool being used uh, a while ago on one of these legend or one of these. Uh, 87 cars when they first scanned them I think the first two wasn't it the Monte Carlo had damage to it and they had to like uh, interpret it to uh, fix it on the uh, program 
they had the budget right where the damage was you're right there was a story where the, the uh, designers had to kind of fudge it uh where, you know and pretend as if there is no damage and just fill in the the gap so to speak well it's very cool to see the uh the not the guts of the uh car itself but the guts of the process So it's a time, another time for As MSG Dies episode, and we have the MSG CEO resigning. This is the guy who was the CEO and he went away in disgrace, and then the, somebody else was running it and they didn't know what to do, so they brought this guy back, and now he's leaving again. Yeah, this... This cannot be a, a good sign for the health of this company. You know, when you got CEOs who are, are bailing, especially ones that came in, like you said, Mike, to try to, uh, you know, breathe some life back into it. Uh, it, it seems it seems like this this uh, company is um, it, it's in its death throes. It seems like I'm, I'm not making any predictions or or wishing will ill will, but it sure seems like uh, this is what happens when when companies die. Uh. I've been a cardio version in my life, and I've had that. I don't think that would even help this company if you wanted to take paddles to it and 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 try and save it. So, the reporter is uh, none other than Mike Straw, who's given us these stories about motorsports games before. From InsiderGaming.com, he writes for. I'm going to read a quote from his article. There's not a lot of meat here, but there's this quote. The news of Costco's departure from the company's board also comes on the heels of motorsports games losing multiple lawsuits filed by employees for unpaid wages. It's uncertain, however, if there's any relation between the resignation and the suits. Costco was CEO during the period of unpaid wages claimed in each case. And uh, that date of September 30th is still looming ahead, guys. I, I feel like that we're going to learn a lot more about the landscape of NASCAR console gaming on that date. Yeah, and, and it, maybe it's an indication of IndyCar too, because uh, IndyCar is wrapped up in this as well. Yeah, more to come on that later. Meantime, why don't we hit a couple of patch notes, uh, Justin? Yeah, David, um, we got uh, patch updates for 2023 season four release. Uh, a paint shop uh, fixed an issue where the paint shop could freeze or run very slowly upon switching cars. Uh, did you know about this, Brian? You paint a lot of cars. Um, no, I, I haven't really messed with that yet, but I, I've been kind of been not doing a whole lot lately since I, until I get my computer fixed. But um, yeah, I did hear from uh, our teammate of ours, Tyler, Tyler Williamson. He told me about the, uh, the new paint stuff and he really actually likes it quite a bit um it's getting a lot closer to like a painting program that you would use like gimp or something like that um it's, it's getting a lot more um intricate than it than there's than it used to be there's a pretty good chance when i paint my next car i may try some of the features then turn around and export that to put in my you know the personal sponsors uh but use it to make it a little bit easier to get get all the paint lined up, I guess, on the on the base pattern. Yeah, I've dinked with it a little bit. They have a bunch of different patterns that make it easy to pick paint. So you just kind of pick some colors, kind of cycle through the patterns, the one you like, and 
go. The nice thing is, is those patterns have always been there in the the files when you get them, but now that they have this, you know, they're working on their paint shop. It's more of a, you know, to help out the community for uh, people that, you know, can't pay for the programs or don't want to try and use the, some of the free programs and learn them. Um, if they tailor it to what, you know, what we're doing, it makes it a lot easier. Also, on those, the patterns that have a gradient type effects are really hard to change the um, color because when you have to change kind of all of them at the same time. Uh, rather than being able to say, I want to go from this to that. You can do some gradients on on Adobe, I know, but uh, then you have to be w worried about if the gradients go in the right direction in every part of the car because you might have the nose pointing one direction and the, the side of the car pointing a different direction in the template. So doing gradient-type paints is a lot harder in, in the, paint, in the uh, custom paint painters. Now, back to the release notes. Um, one thing I, I noticed in this patch, uh, one, for season four, the new tracks at the bottom, uh, all three of them that they put out in this season, have significant, uh, well, not significant, but a lot of different adjustments to graphic, graphical adjustments. I guess my question is, they know when they're releasing these, you would think that they would get all this stuff buttoned up in time for the actual release, but it seems like they get to the deadline and they put out what they got. And then they've been, you know, the, the next few days they're, they're finishing all this stuff. Or is it, they didn't know that they had the problems. And when it got to the public, these problems surfaced. I don't know what the story is. Well, Mike, when you're reading some of this, like, I get what you're saying because, like, if you see on the one for Zanvor, there's like street lights have been added to the tunnel entrance or waste bin. It's almost like, you're, like you're saying, they needed an extra couple of days, but the patch had to be released or the the thing had to be released, so they just released it and they just knew that they were going to update it a week from now or two weeks from now, whenever they got to it, right? Yeah, it's like, are they not done or is this stuff? Um, un, not uncovered until just recently that they, oh, we forgot to do this or that. Like the Kern County one, for example, they had to add Barney, the flagman, at the dirt track. Uh, so they actually released these tracks for dirt without a flagman at all. That's inexcusable. How could you forget Barney? <laughs> or Barney. I mean, he already has to wave that arm so much, there's no way he doesn't have like tendonitis and arthritis. And then they're going to just do that to him? Yeah, there's lots of little fixes I see. Nothing to really go over there. And then there was another hot fix that came out as well um, over the week. And this had something to do with um, security. And they did thank a uh, driver, Ander Gomez, for responsible disclosure of the reported issue. Uh, as a reminder, security issues can be reported at infosec at iracing.com. I mean, those little things always creep up, especially when you start, you know, having the big amount of people logging on. And there are a lot of a lot of smart individuals that, um, you know, look through code and just in general, looking through a lot of the stuff once uh, a patch or something comes out. And, you know, people like this third party wise really help out uh, the community. Why does it, you know, to have an actual community member 
you know, find a security loophole before a bad guy does, you know, get it reported internally, let them fix it before public disclosure. Um, you know, that's the way it should be. It's great. This is kind of like uh, one of those white hat hackers, you know, who uh, who go in and hack stuff and and uh, just to find loopholes and report it. Well, I would guess so, Brian, just because this ain't just something you just stumble across. You have to go looking for it, I would presume. Yeah, that's what I was well, thinking. Well, like, Brian, I know what you're thinking, because it's like those guys that, you know, they they when you, when a game releases, they look at what's in the files and then is there something in the files that gives out some, some future information and things like that as well down the road that they left behind or things like that. Yeah. There were some other graphical changes in the graphical settings. Um, but yeah. All right. So Barney's really patient and apparently Indy is too, Brian. Yeah. So this uh, kind of piggybacks with our last story about the motorsport game situation that they're going through. Um, but apparently uh, the NTT IndyCar series, they're going to be practicing some patience with motorsport games. You know, as we all know, it's their, their chosen partner for a video game for the Xbox and PlayStation and PC. Uh, and, they, and they own the um the uh, rights to all IndyCar stuff, and that's why iRacing can't have an Indy 500. Um, so, you know, amidst all this turmoil that's been going on, IndyCar is still got their, um, still being patient. They, they're not making any rash moves just yet, which is bad news for us iRacers who want I, uh, uh, IndyCar back in the service. But um, we'll see. I think this is still a uh, fluid situation here where, um, you know, they're they're being patient, but, but I'm sure there's going to be a point where they're like they can't be patient anymore, or if the or if the company gets to a point where um, they 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 let IndyCar know that they're not going to be able to come out with the game that they want. So uh, I, I appreciate their patience. Um, it seems like the right thing to do. Um, you don't want to you, you do have they do have their eggs in this particular um, motorsport game basket. Um, and I think they're just ready to ride it out until they can't anymore. And I think they're just saying at this point, they're not quite at that point where they, they're ready to just ditch it and move on. There is a clue about when that point might be. I have a quote here in the article from racer.com uh, from Mark Miles. Uh, Mark Miles is like the CEO of IndyCar or something like that. Um, so I'm going to read it. Quote, it's not still not clear how it will end. I think a lot of really good work has been done with the current partner, MSG. They put a lot into it. We've seen evidence of how it looks. It's amazing. But they are struggling to have the resources to finish the job. So they're working on other ways that other partnerships could be established to help them get it done. Whether that will play out successfully or not remains to be seen. I think it will be clear by the end of the year. One of the reasons they desperately want to finish is they think that it's it is essentially a breakthrough technology in the market and will have relevance in other sports. Yeah. Um, so end of the year. Right. Uh, I don't know. It seems like anything that that's kind of revolutionary as far as the technology goes is going to be, need more than what those guys are offering. They're employees who are building this revolutionary technology. Um, it, it's, it's hard to motivate people without, without paying them to do this kind of work. There's no way they're going to hold yeah. on to that technology without it getting leaks now, considering how many employees they've screwed over. I call BS on that part. I really do. But, right. um, <laughs> you know, 
it, and the other part where they're trying to establish partnerships that could help them get it done. That to me almost sounds like we're trying to sell what we got to another gaming studio or hand it off to be finished elsewhere or something along those lines. Well, yeah. Sorry, Brian. Uh, just to, to finish what Mike here is saying there. If you look at the way that they've worded the title of their staying patent with motorsports games, it doesn't mean that motorsports game doesn't get bought by someone else and then finished um, afterwards. So it's like, it's not like it's, they're staying there and it's only going to be this way it is. I mean, aren't we supposed to figure out something by the end of this month? We're supposed to hear something. There's some announcement about it. Yeah. Well, from NASCAR, yeah. right? Yeah. They're going to have a, make it public what the the deal is at uh, September 30th. So what we've heard. Yeah. But you know, if, if I, I'm going to call B on this BS on this as well, Mike, you know, I don't know that for sure, but if, if uh, another investment company gets a peek at this and they're saying, wow, this is revolutionary, they're going to jump in. They're not going to just, you know, let it slide to some other investor. Um, I don't think I don't think it's as revolutionary as they're kind of touting in this article. Uh, otherwise, I, I don't think they would have trouble getting investors. What point? But what can be revolutionary in they're, they're in obviously not, well, but they're not they're not uh, they're probably using an outdated engine. They're probably not going to like Unreal 5. Well, they're not um, even paying their license. If you remember, Greg, from last yeah. week, they're not paying their license for uh, Unreal Engine. Yeah. So if they're not, you know, they're not paying for that. Are they still getting assets from Unreal? The only thing that would be revolutionary in the racing world is if they make it like an RPG type um, racing game. And I don't see that changing. That is a racing game. I don't know what the revolutionary was. The revolutionary things happened like 20 years ago or 15 years ago when iRacing had simulators and all these big simulating companies came out that there's nothing really you can revolutionary revolutionize on, on the racing on general genre. Well, when you say revolutionized, I think of iRacing. I think of it takes years to develop these models, uh, the, the tire model, the physics model, the damage model, the rain model, the, 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 the weather model, everything. And it all works together. And that's revolutionary how that's being done, I think. All right. We'll stay tuned next uh, same bat time, same bat channel for another episode of a, a day in the death of MSG. Uh, next up is a little bit more fun topic. We've got the Mazda cars running ovals at season four. Uh, I was, uh, it's matching season. I've not been on much at all other than to get ready for Bristol this week. So I didn't get to try it out during week 13, but it looks pretty neat. And I was watching it. I was thinking it would be interesting to see the Mazdas plus say the legends in a, in a multi-class kind of thing. I almost joined one of these. Um, and I thought better of it because I was afraid of losing IR um, for oval. And was it was it probably a good idea. Was it actually I, I, You know, I wasn't sure. So that was one of the reasons I didn't do it. But the, they were running the Mazdas at South Boston is what it was. Yeah, like, mm. Most of those series, unless it's one of the series that's always around, is not official. All right. Like, I wish they made those made that more clear somehow. Communicated 
very, very clearly which ones aren't and aren't, you know, some color coding or something. Doesn't it have in parentheses official to the ones that are actually official during week 13? At least on the website, it does. Yeah, it's hard to say with the UI. The UI thing that bugs me right now is I go into hosted or something, looking at the events and where the car would show what kind of car it is, it says like image not available or something like that. That's a flat out bug. But a race that definitely okay. is, is, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think Donnie ran this, but I didn't hear what happened. All right. Well, I had a funny transition for us to the Phoenix Coke race, but uh, forget it. Uh, Phoenix Coke race, go. <laughs> well, uh, it was crazy mode. I mean, the other thing I noticed was um, yellows were on iRacing. They didn't have like Tyler throwing the yellows. So is that new? I don't know, but I but uh, iRacing was throwing the yellows. Um, throughout the beginning or in most of the race, I was a bit turned off by the kind of the the way it was playing out. But at the end, it was a great story storyline where you know there was this late caution and Tucker Minter, you know, is the leader and he stays out and everyone else pits. It's like the classic. Do I pit? Do I not pit? We're at the end of the race. And and whatever the leader does, you know that they're going to do the opposite of what he did. And that's exactly what happened. He stayed out. Everyone else pitted. I think there were actually two other cars that stayed out with him that were kind of in the back or whatever. But then after that, it was just like one restart after another. You know, they, they kept getting cautions. And... And he, and he was holding it. Tucker Minter would get these awesome restarts, uh, launching out of the restart zone and, and just get like a three or four car length lead, you know, going into one. And they would catch him by the backstretch. And as they get to the start finish line, I mean, they're right with him and about to overtake him. But then the caution would come out again. <laughs> and and uh, he lived through all three green-white checkers, uh, or however many there were. I think there was a natural one in there. Um, but yeah, he ended up winning it um, just by a, the hair on his chinny-chin-chin. I mean, at the end, it was just like a foot dif difference uh, of when the flag came out. What do you think, Justin? You had a lot to say about that, I think. Well, they really... I. I haven't been watching everyone every week, but they seem to play out in the same way. They go kind of decent until the last 40 laps. Then it just gets real sloppy, you know, and just like our NIS races. And but that Tucker mentor, a mentor, he, he deserved every bit of that. I can't those last couple of restarts, like you said, Casey or he would that mentor would get him on the restart and clear him in one and two. But then Casey would be just barreling down three and four and every time yellow, yellow, yellow. But yeah, it was a good race. And the yellows were, were in the back, uh, typically, uh, not the guys up front racing. And there was a lot of uh, discussion about that. Like, you know, we can't even finish a race because these guys are wrecking for 25th. That's all I heard after the race on social media from these guys. You um, know what? I have a problem with that statement. 
I, and I get tired of hearing it in in the real races too. You're at the top level, or really any level. Are we are we in a race, or is everybody else just to go in, just supposed to go into a parade while the top five race? And how do you get to the top five if you don't pass twenty fifth and then twenty fourth and twenty third, right? Yeah, it's a good point, and you got the best people in the service, you know, too. So you got to look at it that way. Now, Matt Busa, who's one of the drivers, he did a thread after the race, um, and he's a stats guy. And I'm going to read what he wrote and then put on the Twitter. Uh, let's start with the positives. The E-NASCAR has some incredible racing. Shout out to Mike Conti, Nick Ottinger, for being the only drivers without a receiving fault for an incident this year. Only two. In 17 races, there have been 160 incidents in which officials place blame on a driver. 13 drivers are responsible for over 55% of the incident. Seven drivers make up 35% of all incidents. In all 17 racers, at least one of those seven have caused an incident. So while there may be other factors that don't help us drivers, it still boils down to drivers being careless and reckless. How do we fix this? stricter punishment for those drivers that cause a lot of wrecks or just need to hope we have a better field next year. I do like the fact that their incident system is actually judgment-based uh, instead of just, you know, if you're in it, if you clip somebody, you get it, you hit the incident limit. When they get suspended for incident limits, it's because they caused them. We've seen Vicente Salas set down for a race um, because of too many incidents in the previous race. So you're right. Now, this is interesting. I think that seven drivers make up 35% of the uh, of all the incidents. So seven out of 40, and then 13 are responsible for 55%. So Got think it. about like this: 13 out of 40. This it's like the bad guy. <laughs> well, th think about it as well. We see a similar pattern in the NIS, right? How I'm, how many times do we say that guy usually causes a problem, and then ten minutes later we hear somebody cussing him out on chat? Well, you're right, David. It's there are some similarities, but I think in NIS we're not calling out more than five out of forty. Okay, so like when I start a race with Justin. Justin, I'm I'm telling you, watch out for X, Y, Z, maybe four or five guys at the most. Maybe I see three or four. I say names out of yeah. right. But there's not as much on the line and it's it's they're not as tightly skill packed. We're not racing for a hundred thousand. Now some of the replies on the Twitter to Matt, uh, Cole Young said, never should have shortened the races. And I agree. I think that's a driving factor. Remember, these racers were uh, have been shortened this year, and and I think part of last year. But they used to be longer. They're not half the distance anymore. They are running shorter no, than the NIS races. Yeah, they're shorter than NIS. That's stupid. Is that just a baby? Because uh, they filled. They're doing that just to fill the time slot. Like a it's, TV time slot. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Or maybe maybe it's just uh, maybe they think longer races they get less viewership, or that maybe they see that the viewership falls off or something. I don't know, so it's hard to say why they did that. But I think that could be part of it because we just lost your mic, Mike. Yeah, because when people uh, 
you know, when, like you said, they're racing for 20th. You got to remember there, there's a 20 people that are transferring into next season's Coke series, the top 20. And if you're in the bottom 20, you're, you're out, you know? And so there's a lot on the line, just not the championship or the win, but there's all this top 20 business going on. And so every point can count. And I mean, it's the same way in real life where they, they fight for every position and don't ever let anybody go because they won't get let go when they come back nowadays. Well, they have, they have sponsor obligations, team obligations. That's, they got, they got a job to do. They're, they're the, what, one of the 36 best Coke racers in the world. So, you know, why, why are you not allowed to race? I, I just don't understand that. Right on that point of it, it, they've got a job to do, and that job is not to sit there and ride in a parade while the top five battle it out. So yeah. one other idea is if 13% of the drivers or 13 of the 40 drivers are the ones causing all the problems, maybe it just needs to be a stricter situation with those guys to get more penalties for more inst- you know. The more incidents you get, maybe the penalties, you know, get higher and higher. I don't know. I do agree with that. I think they do need to be a lot more stricter. You know, there's, that's the problem. You know, it's still a simulation. There's no attachment to the car. You know, in real life, you know, a driver can't wreck, you know, you tear off of right front. I mean, you got a thousand, I mean, thousands of dollars worth of damage. So there's. I mean, then you got the hit itself, you know, you, it's still a game in a way. And so that's why you need to be more strict. There's no fear, I guess you want to say. You also don't have to worry about if you cause problems with somebody, them coming up and, you know, pulling a Ross Chastain on you. I mean, they also, you also don't have the fear factor of actually getting hurt unless you're, you know, your steering wheel comes back and breaks your thumbs or something. But also, like, would, would, did you say it was uh, Sol, Solace that had a penalty this year? Yeah, he was just one of them uh, that I remember. But yeah, he was certainly one of them. I think he, had to, start, he set out a race. If you if you if they set out more races, then like if they have things, I think that they, the penalty needs to be if it's something that's you know they got to come up with a better rules for it. I guess to admit that aren't you know gray. It's gray. They're more black and white. But. Um, you know, if they're if you're sitting out and that that your team will, you know, start saying something about it, your sponsors will start saying something about it, and then you know, if you're losing points, you're never going to be a chance for a championship. On second thought, though, is that what is that what we want? Or do we say the same thing with real NASCAR, or do we want more boys to have at it and just keep the officials out of it? Self policing. <laughs> That's what we want as a fan. I think the other frustrating thing is that some of that stuff comes from. Um, the net code and the you know cars not actually being as close as they are sometimes too with incidents. And and right as I said, the the self policing thing, the points that because it's not real, it doesn't have the same consequences as self policing in real racing. So that I just kind of countered my own argument there. We put on the Evan Pasoko hat. Let's talk about the um, top four. For the championship race, which is in two weeks at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, these people will be in person racing for the championship. Uh, Steven Wilson, he makes it in on the points. Garrett Lowe, Nick Ottinger, and Tucker Minter. Tucker Minter, final four as a rookie. Very impressive this year. 
uh, Tucker Minter. I think he has three wins now, um, including Daytona. So um, he he's definitely hot right now going into the final four with winning this last race on old tires, holding off all the guys on new tires. Um, I don't know. I mean, Steven Wilson has got experience being in the final four at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He was there last year in person as well. Um, you got Nick Ottinger, who's also been there, done that, you know, previous champion. And then Garrett Lowe, who has something to prove this year. Yeah, uh, Tucker Minter kind of bookended the season, right? He won the first race and the last race before the uh, finals. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll bookend it with a win next week. Is, there's a couple of drivers. This is their last season competing, right? Conti is going to be done after the last race too, right? Yeah, and that's a little bittersweet that he didn't make the top four, you know. Um, but he didn't. Had a great season too. He did. I, I mean, it kind of fell apart in the champion in the playoffs, huh? Yeah, and and as you mentioned before, he was one of the two drivers who didn't have any of the uh, fault issues uh, with all the incidents too. He's going to leave on a good note. It'd be neat if Mike Conti won the race at Phoenix, even though it's not the championship. <laughs> and we have had that happen in this playoff format for the Coke races, right? Didn't, 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 was the champion second place last year? Yeah, we had a different winner. And, of course, he doesn't get all the prestige that he normally would get, you know, with somebody else, you know, taking the championship. But, uh, yeah, I think it has happened. And that would be no different than when it's uh, one of those races where the title is literally already locked up, right? And and the championship drivers trying to only get like twentieth because that's all they got to get. Anyway, well, two weeks. It'll be an exciting race, and they're having the season finale at a proper track too, instead of Phoenix. Even though apparently Phoenix <laughs> put on some fun, at least online. And uh, we're gonna do a live reaction. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be watching it live, at least with some of you guys. So uh, we'll be on Discord, and um, if fans want to, uh, or listeners want to join us, um, you know, hit us up on the Discord, and you can jump in with us. We'll get a, we'll get a public lounge channel working for that. Yeah, that's always fun right. to do, and it's going to be a neat show. I, I know Dale Jr. is going to be there, and, and Steve Letarte, and, uh, you know, those kind of people, probably Parker Kligerman. Um, and you know, there's probably be other drivers there. I think last year they had some other NASCAR drivers show up, you know, and shake these guys' hands and that kind of thing. All right, well, let's wrap up that recap so that we can talk about season three recaps. Uh, Brian, we got Talon Smith showing some numbers for my racing, and uh, he makes me look lazy. Yeah, this guy's uh, racing a lot. So, um, this was a uh, tweeted or X, whatever you want to call now, um, from iRacing. Um, and they just highlighted Talon Smith's numbers for his season three. I uh, started 329 races, uh, average first on his starts, average second, 270 wins, and 12,000 laps driven. So, a lot, uh, very, very successful. Uh, his iRacing rating was up around um, 9,000, I think it was close to eight, eight or nine. Um, so, really good driver. But um, I think part of the story is that uh, this is some of the new results that you can see on the app, right, Mike? Well, this is an email that actually went out to every driver. Um, so, check your email box because you got one too. 
I posted mine up to the group. I think I had two wins in season three. Uh, this this is unbelievable. Some of the numbers this guy has, and now that I look at it, he it says here he's led ninety seven hundred of the twelve thousand laps he's driven. I just think it's very interesting that his average start is first. So that means he doesn't. He always has a pole. He always has a pole. Yeah, gets pole. <laughs> is this guy oval or road based? I don't know, but I'm tempted to go look now. But uh, yeah, it's a you know iRacing retweeted his results, but they picked him for a reason. Obviously, he's uh, got some of the biggest numbers out there. Y'all want to spit out our results real quick? I just pulled mine up. Greg's will be uh, two starts, right? Maybe if that. Actually, I had. Did I have two starts? I had two starts at just uh, Darlington. And it, it was road heavy this season, so this this season was road heavy, so it'd probably be better. I had forty eight, um, and with an average start of twelfth, actually, which that that's probably based on uh, the road races boot, boosting me because uh, I don't qualify that good in oval. Uh, two wins and only led four laps out of twenty five hundred, basically. Oh, it doesn't do NIS. It just does any, just something in general. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> I had one start because NIS is still season one. Okay. I found mine 17 race starts, average start 12th, average finish 14th, two wins, two top fives. I led 124 out of 687. And again, that doesn't have NIS in there. Right, so and that's pretty good. I mean, two wins out of 17 starts, I'm pretty happy with that. Anyway, I love so stats, I, and I think it's cool that they email them out. <laughs> I um, actually looked up uh, Talon Smith's um, profile on the handy-dandy iRacers app, iRacing app, and uh, his 8,000 is in Oval, which I was really surprised. I thought that might have been a road thing. Typically, the road guys are the ones that... If you're really good, you get a lot of a lot of wins and a lot of good finishes. What uh, is he running? Yeah, uh, like a Ty Majeski and late models, or he's doing a lot of the NASCAR Legend series. Eighty-sevens, wow, that's tough. Maybe he's looking for a team. All right, Brian, we have a Woo late models report. Yeah, so uh, this past week, they were back after taking off a week for Labor Day weekend. Uh, Monday night was the Butt Kicker World Outlaw Late Model Series, and uh, they were at Lincoln Speedway, um, my home track, if you want to go by location in real life. Um, and uh, wow, the streak is over, folks. Um, Evan C. did not finish on the podium in this race. Uh, he was in position to and uh, it got cleaned out by one, a different driver and wound up not finishing the race. And I think he finished 18th or 19th. So uh, the streak is over. But he still carries a huge lead going into the final week. The winner of the week was actually Logan Rumsey, who, uh, who took the win. Um, Tanner uh, Tomasi finished second, James Eden third, and Tanner Tomasi is the one who uh, kind of cleaned out. Um, he kind of cleaned out Evan C. about halfway through the race. Um, they were going down the, the the front stretch of the track. Uh, Evan was on the outside. He was on the inside and uh, came 
up and wasn't did not clear him and kind of took him out. So um, he he really got he got beat up by the cars coming packed in behind them. That was the end of the week for for Evan C. Um, Logan Rumsey, who um, should be very familiar with this track, he's a, a local um, sprint car racer in the 358 um, sprint cars at that track in real life. So it's kind of neat that he won won a race there. Um, so uh, there's uh, one week left. Even with that terrible finish, Evan C is still uh, holding on to like a 42-point lead going into the last week, which basically if he makes the final, the the, uh, the heat, the finals, he will probably win it without any trouble. Um, there's still an outside, outside, outside chance that somebody could take that uh, championship from him. It will be his second if he pulls it off in a row. Uh, Logan Rumsey is in second in points after that win last week. Kendall Tucker... Um, is in third, who is uh, Evan C's teammate. Blake Majulis is in fourth, who is also Evan C's teammate. So, uh, as far as uh, it's called uh, um, Majulis C Speed Shop, I think it is, is the team. Um, they have three four, three of the top four um, finishers in this championship season at this point. So, really good year for that, that group. Um, we have uh, one last week coming up next week at Charlotte, um, and that'll take that'll take us down to the championship season and see if uh, Evan can hold on and take his second straight championship. Still, it's got to be hashtag pain for him, you know, to have all those points and and then have this happen and just like give up that huge, huge chunk of points, you know. Even though he's probably still good, I mean, it, it, it's got to be painful. Yeah, the, it's. I mean, that and the streak of podium finishes was, um, you know, almost two complete seasons. If it wasn't for uh, for yesterday or this past week's race, um, just just amazing consistency in a in a series where those cars are really tough to drive and they're be- beating on each other all the time. So yeah, it's pretty a pretty good run, even though it it, it kind of ended last this last week. Now, Brian, isn't this the track that's local to you? You've been to, I mean, how, how does it feel like watching it virtually? Um, yeah, it, it, like I said, it's, it's like 25 minutes from my house. I've uh, been there many times. I've actually raced a, a 305 um, sprint car on there, um, and I've raced a Legend Start car there before so it's a cool track um it's a little different just because of the way the pit road works um in uh, real life the pit pit road is on the outside of the track it's not on the infield like it is in this sim but um and you know i i don't think i've ever seen a late model race there it's typically always sprint cars or hobby stocks or um or legends cars so um that was kind of weird actually seeing um the uh the full-size late model cars there i'm sure they come once in a while but they don't come there very often all right how open do you feel about the next topic justin yeah david uh, this is a kind of interesting one uh, i never really thought about it but he's got a point um brett mcburney uh posted in the forums that there used to be a close all option to remove uh to remove pop-up banners i forgot to explain that part but yeah he posted on the iRacing forum that there used to be an option to close all banners and now he's got to take an extra step in the ui and close multiple and uh some people have an issue with this I don't like it. I mean, you you go in and out of sessions and these little pop-ups, they start building up on top. You know, there's one, there's two, there's three, there's four sessions. And then, oh, they tell us they're going to have a hot fix. And then I go to another practice and there's five pop-ups. And 
they're literally covering the the screen and unless you take a moment and click 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 each one of them that's the only way to get rid of them so he's right there used to be a closed all somebody thought it was a good idea to get rid of the closed all i'm i'm like maybe we don't even need these pop-ups or can we opt out maybe there's there a little check mark opt out forever I just like how they used to do it on the website. It would go to the screen that said your results. And then once it goes, once you clicked on it, it would go to the other stuff. Like, why does it have to, why does it have to be on top of the UI? It's like, it's like, it's, it's like, it feels like it's added to the UI on top of it. Yeah. They think they're being clever, you know, and, but you're right. The, the old website had a good flow to it and they should have just copied it. Like I said, a long time ago about that beta UI, if they just, copied the functionality they've already honed down to a fine science in the website they would have something good that, that's usable i mean these these little things are just annoyances sure we can all click the little x you know five or six times but we shouldn't have to that's the point i feel like uh, i feel like we're all the old men sitting on the uh on the front porch yelling at the people walking by saying get off my lawn <laughs> Look, if it was less clicks, I wouldn't be yelling. More clicks is bad. So we've been talking a little bit about the legacy cars. We just put out a new one. And the next question comes from a user who's asking, uh, it was the user is Jason Patterson, in fact, and he's asking if we should introduce other errors in or eras into the uh, iRacing realm since we've added the what 87 cars and a lot of people are wanting what late 90s or something something along the twisted sister era there's a twisted sister or it's the uh would that be the thunder no but the thunder it's not the thunderbird luna era is it so yeah i mean you're talking specific to nascar <clears throat> so we have the current gen 7 we have the old gen 6 we have the gen 5 which is really fun we have the new gen 4 and then we have the 87s so yeah i think they're just saying let's fill in the gap right what else is left and is this the feeling because the ovals additions the last little while have been underwhelming it's more road centric the last little while oval has been to the short small short tracks or the dirt tracks have been oval centric more because we've I mean, we basically have all the big tracks that are the major series tracks it's just filling in all the short tracks now um on the service it's not there's not much we can do besides add different car types people may not remember but the twisted sister car what the arrow push was a big thing right uh about the only thing they didn't have was the double double file restart so at this point restarts hardly didn't it really didn't mean jack because not only did you have to uh have enough car to pass another car with the arrow push you had to fight the lap cars too and they can hold you back. Um, I don't remember that era being so super nostalgic other than people, I guess, grew up on that era. I would find it more interesting to go way back to something in the 60s or, or even 50s, maybe. Is, well, that's uh, what's important, Dave. Hold on. Before, just to finish that off, David, do you think that era is irrelevant because it was so dominated by one driver? No, because I liked that driver. Uh, so, no, I, I mean, that, but are, are you, which, well, which driver? Because there was a transition Gordon, in that era. Gordon, Gordon yeah, it was, that era. But it, it was still, 
when was uh, when was Earnhardt's last championship? Because he was pretty good in that time too. Wasn't ninety four his? No, uh, yeah, ninety four. I thought. So yes, yeah, so, well, late night. Then it, then it transitioned to Gordon, and then Jimmy dominated through like four different types of cars. Right. Jimmy got the end of the Twisted Sister era, though. Yeah, he started with the Twisted Sister, did the COT, did the did the next gen. They and they basically started changing all the rules because of him, and he still kept winning. But I I remember because I was also racing the Twisted Sister in our factor, and Aero Push was a thing back with that car too. So a couple of notes on my end are iRacing recently renamed the 87 series to something like NASCAR Legends, which is a clue that they're not going to add additional cars. I, I think if they had a plan of adding these other cars, I mean, those would be considered legends too. And, you know, what would you call them versus the 87s? And, and they probably would have stuck with the, the original 87 series name if they, you know, had a, a game plan to add these other cars, I would think. But Well, they could call it the Gen 2s. They call, look at all the F, F series that we have in the Formula series. They got F1, 2, 3, 4. Like, there's all kinds of diff, different F series. I wouldn't see why they couldn't call it a Gen series. And, um, another thing is, um, so Jason Patterson, in his uh, post, he titled it, Gen 4 has been successful. Should they, should iRacing try another leg, legend leg, legacy car? Is is the Gen Four success though have more to say about the current car than it does the Gen Four car? I kind of think so because the Gen Four is all the stuff that we're looking for, for to, in the in the current car, and we don't have, and, and we're just searching it out in, in other ways. So I, I think I think if the, the current car drove more more was more fun to drive like the Gen Four, then I think uh, there would be probably less outcry for these legacy cautions. I agree. But, but can we ever get back there with, with the, I don't know if we can ever get back there with this car. Cause there's, there's too much grip in the car and too little horsepower. If you want to, if you want to boil it down, that's basically what, what it needs, but NASCAR will never figure that out. They kind of well, sort of went a little bit man, more horsepower, but the manufacturers won't figure it out because they, yeah, they're stuck. Well, they they can't sell cars with that much horsepower, right? Because of all the gas guzzling. Um, but they don't sell Mercedes Formula One cars. They still have a thousand horsepower, and they still fuck. They're still top of the notch uh, in their series of all cars that are there. Like it's it's supposed to be the pinnacle of racing. That's what I never understood about this argument about horsepower. Well, you're not going to sell it. And okay, none of those cars have more than two hundred and. Uh, maybe 350 horsepower that they come with from stock with a V8 in, in them nowadays. So it's just, it, it's, it's ludicrous to think about the 550 being at or to sell it there. It's, this is supposed to be the pinnacle motorsports. No car, no car on the road runs with racing slicks. No car on the road has a diffuser. That may be the best argument yet. And um, the only other counter argument might be that if they give them more horsepower, they're more likely to get airborne. My, my car, my car doesn't burn my ankle when I'm driving uh, at Bristol. Look, I, you might not need more horsepower if you got rid of the bottom of these cars that's sucking it down to the ground and then do a ride height rule and get these things up off the ground. The, the, the fact that they can't tow a Gen 7 car, if it has a flat tire, is comical. 
Okay. I, I feel what like a that's fatal design. What a fatal design. I, I think, Mike, that that's the thing that they keep like. Why not have say it has to be? I don't know. I don't know what a realistic we, height is. Two inches off the ground without right, that, like, right that height rule. Height it can be. And then they guess what? They can tow them because there's a right height rule. Or if they have a flat, they can actually get back because they're not sitting on the diffuser. Well, that's the whole thing. Get rid of the whole diffuser crap. You know, let's just make that flat. Let's not get all the intricate downforce pieces and crap in there. We don't want downforce on the bottom of these things. If if they got rid of all that, that downforce on the bottom of the car, I think there's enough horsepower. See, the downforce would be so much less, they have to slow down in the corners. And there would be enough horsepower to race. And, and this comes with the argument I heard Denny Hamlin talking about a while back ago, and I still couldn't understand it. All these things to this car was supposed to save money. Well, they put this this intricate bottom of a car on it, and then they have to make these, what they call them, hockey pucks or something that they put on each corner so that it, it never goes down and actually hits the diffuser. Because if they actually destroy the diffuser, it's like sixty or $70,000 per diffuser or something like like, like like that. Like, why would you create that if if it's that expensive? Like, doesn't that defeat the purpose of trying to be save money? I think one of the points of the diffuser was trying to have another way to get downforce to the car that's not aero-dependent, and it it's not paying out. That's a good point. They, they were always tired of hearing that, um, you know, the, the second car is at a disadvantage because they got the push you know, from the arrow from the first car. So you're right. It doesn't work. I hate to tell you, if you've ever watched um, people in, in the Tour de France or anything like that, the the leader always makes it harder. You know, it's harder to get past the person and it's harder, it's harder to lead sometimes. There's always going to be a disadvantage. That's the whole point in trying to get by somebody. I, I know they're trying to make it easier. It's just... I think that theory is is flawed. Like, if you have something that's poking a hole in the air, you're never going to close it where there's going to put more air back on the vehicle that's behind it. Well, yeah, drafting is is a factor in cycling. Like you said, isn't there an Olympic version of cycling where they're a team of four and they take turns drafting so that each of them gets a little bit of a rest? Yeah, team pursuit. I don't actually. I don't think it's in the Olympics anymore. The team pursuits, but I could be wrong. But yeah, you you are right. In the background now, Brian, you have theme, you have music playing with your with your voice. No, Mike, Mike had it on. Oh, oh, I was playing the next video. Sorry. <laughs> well, did did anybody go over the uh, results of the poll that Jason Patterson put based on this uh, question? So he he put a poll in with this um, whether whether um, the readers sh uh, we should have a um, new legacy cars yes no or maybe and of course yes won sixty five percent to thirty one percent over no three percent said maybe so uh, I think that was a pretty easy poll to win if you wanted it to go in that way that direction just because everybody wants more content more more cars more variety um, no I, I I worry if they do bring another legacy series in whether it's going to start diluting the legacies of the other legacy cars that are out there is 87 going to take a hit if they bring in the 96 lumina that everybody wants so they can be cold trickle you know point days of thunder theme pack so what i think when i look at the next post greg is i think some guys actually might need this 
during their Bristol race, unless they get wrecked out early. I I think I heard in my race, someone say that they needed a they needed to go to the bathroom about 20, 25 minutes in. And I'm like, you got a long way to go or you better hope you get disqualified. But uh, anyways, this is on uh, iRacing's official uh, Instagram page. Um, it's a track worker staring at a porta potty. Um, very, very curious. And I, I would watch, I, I can't play the video because of it. I'll go through the audio and the thing here. But when Mike had it playing there, I didn't realize there was a wreck going on in the background that he is not paying attention to. He didn't flinch at all. He's got to go. He's just waiting for that guy to get out so he can, uh, take care of business. But if I were, if it looks like the thing, the, the sign's green, he should go in. He needs to go. He's kind of dancing around like he has to go. Yeah. So get in there, bud. And Mike, you're you're. This is this is the porta potty that we were talking about at Xanderor because that's the track that this is on. This is it was in the fix. So, this is the the extra week they spent animating the guy that had to go to the bathroom. You know, these are com- you, these I'm are sorry, comic. I was going to say if you were going to fly around with the camera, can I like go inside the porta potty? You know, when I zoom, you know, do the fly like a bird with the camera, and then is it like uh, all? modeled inside like is there a a toilet paper roll and all that that'd be a shitty camera we we don't want to hear about your fetishes about (laughs) (laughs) you don't be funny if they use dale earnhardt as the crew member waiting for the porta potty or something he's the guy waiting for the porta potty yeah 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 so this is a perfect topic for you, Mike, because the first thing you did when you got ready to run your first race was, oh, shit, I don't have a setup. Yeah, I noticed the Draft Master Series. I went to go run that right when it opened the first day. Um, is open setups. And I, I decided to exit out of that um, before, you know, I was committed um, cause I don't have a setup for the trucks at Daytona or whatever. Um, and I wasn't ready to build one or try to borrow one or beg for one or buy one or whatever. So I decided not to run this series. Um, and apparently I wasn't the only one who was disappointed. There is a forum post, uh, Justin Egan had posted, uh, his disappointment as well. Uh, we did hear from staffer Greg West who chimed in saying that there were technical difficulties with that decision and they're looking into fixing this in the future, uh, meaning that they couldn't for some reason make it fixed sets. Yeah, it could be that, or it could be, they just didn't have fixed sets for every car at the tracks. Yeah. I don't know. I can't understand why they can't do fixed sets. The only, only factor in the series that is that, you know, you have different cars every week. I don't know if that makes the difference why they're having issues with it or what. But um, maybe you're right, Dave. Maybe they just didn't have setups for all of them. It seems like simple enough. As, as long as everybody's running the same set, who cares if, if it's a good set or not? As long as everybody's on the same one, you don't have to go hunting for them. But, I mean, as far as plate tracks go anyway, I, I don't I don't think that setups are as, as important as they are on, on like mile and a half or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I got to interrupt you on that one. I'm sorry. For qualifying, for sure it is. I'm just, so well, I'll put it that way. You may, there may not be that much of a big of a difference if you have a decent set, but you can still have a sucky set and not be able to compete. 
I mean, my, I think the, maybe the biggest problem here, Mike, and we're overlooking it is they were more concerned at getting that porta potty at Zandavor for uh, that guy to go to the bathroom and not work on figuring out how to get the fix to get the fixed setups in. Well, I think it's definitely hurting participation. If, if it was fixed, I'd be racing it. This guy, Justin Egan, would be racing it, and I'm sure there's others. Um, you know, I was thinking I was going to use it to farm some IR, but with it being open sets and me not ready to go find those sets, I'm, I'm not going to do it. So when are we going to get iRacing to actually just go ahead and call this car the jet car, Mike? Well, that'd be a, certainly a nod to us here in our 400th episode. Um, but on the Thursday, 26 sim racers hopped in to their IRO1 Delara, I affectionately call the jet car, begin the battle for 25,000 in prizes. Now, I actually caught the beginning of this race um, on the live stream, and it was interesting. Uh, a spa, they, they go into turn one and uh, like about third or fourth row back, somebody spins and uh, like four or five of them just pile up and they're not even through turn one. Then up through a rouge, another three or four or five go off. And so they're not even a quarter of the way through the lap and a good third of the field has been wrecked. But after that, it kind of settled down and, and it, frankly, it kind of got boring. Uh, it was just follow the leader. I didn't see any real racing much after that. How can you have much racing and half the cars are already dead at a big track? And I mean, you know, this is going to happen in a lot of road racing. Did they have to pit even? You know, I, I kind of lost interest after several laps and, uh, and turned it off. So I don't know how it played out. As frustrated as it can be as a driver, I like that's why I prefer the multi-class road racing when when there is no cautions because you at least have the the randomness, I guess, of traffic that can sometimes throw things in your favor or out of your favor since you don't have cautions to do the same thing. Yeah, I think this uh, series is going to get real interesting when they get to week three and they go to Texas and and do an oval on this with this car. That could get really interesting. Well, as we're continuing to talk series, we have another open wheel series, Mike, the FIA F4 series. Yes, I've been running this. Um, iRacing put out a tweet to kind of publicize it for Wednesday and Thursday night here in the U.S. at 7, 9, and 11 p.m.-ish in your region. And so anyway, I picked up on it and definitely ran uh, several times. I'm going to hit those results real quick and, and tell you guys. It was Lime Rock Park. I was wrecked out twice in a row. Um, the second race, I did the fast repair after towing and drove from 23rd back up to 13th. But both times, I was wrecked out in like turn one, lap one. Uh, so it was a kind of a, a, a shit show out there, to be honest. The third race, uh, I got up to around ninth, uh, actually I survived turn one. Uh, before I wrecked out on my own on lap 14 and I had to tow. Um, there is a, a fast repair. The trick is, is you got to turn it on before you get uh, towed. Um, if you tow before you check mark that box, they won't fix your car. So anyway, it's kind of interesting to race American only, just a different flavor. Um, like I didn't see any blinkers, for example, but 
uh, I'm I'm interested in running the series, and I'm probably going to run it each week. Uh, it works out timing wise for me on a uh, on Thursday night, so that's what I'm going to do. And it's only uh, American tracks for, as well. Hey, there's Tom Dryling. Thanks for joining. Did you get any starts on this, Tom? I did not. Uh, I will start next week. Um, but I did like that they separated it into regions. And with that regions, you only go on those region tracks, too. Now, the, is the region separation just by time zone, or do you have to live in the region to race the race? Uh, I think you have to be in the region just like the Aussie supercars. So yeah, it was no, a good turnout, too. Hmm. Is it separated? Or Never mind. I won't go there. I'm not sure if, still if be it's... Uh, I'm not sure if you can go across regions or not. If it seemed to me like it was just an open official race that anybody could join. I just think that the time zones or the start times are region friendly. So that's the re so they have basically three starts on Wednesday and Thursday night each, but the times are all set for these different regions. And like like Tom said the tracks are different too. I like it. Anyway, it's been fun so far. Um Getting faster in that car, I'm still quite a bit off pace, but. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention that podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it, especially here on episode 400. Uh, get involved in our Discord. Like I said, we're going to do a live uh, watch on the Coke race in two weeks on a Tuesday night. So you guys join us there. Check out the show notes at iracerslounge.com. And we are in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. And we now have uh, merchandise available at iracerslounge.shop. There's a link on our script as well. You can get shirts and hats and uh, giant mouse pads. I got the first merch this week. I ordered a giant Tafosi racing mouse pad, and I absolutely love it. It's like a big gun mat. Tafosis are special for us, though. Yeah, and we have iRacers Lounge merch uh, available for everybody else. Um, I ordered one Tafosi racing thing. I wanted to have something, but I have all the other stuff uh, has been shipped, and I should have it by next week. You got yours sent a lot faster than mine. Mine's still projected to uh, shift a week from now. It may be because of one of the specific things I ordered. But it's on there, and uh, let us uh, go check it out, and let's uh, let's pump those cells. The more cells we get, the better deals we get from the partnership, and then we can start throwing them in some uh, promo codes and stuff. All right, it's time for the fantasy talk. Uh, kick it off, Brian. All right, guys. So uh, NASCAR was at Kansas Speedway this past week. Taking the win is um, Tony Groves' wife, Lisa, who uh, not only is his better half in the relationship, but is the, his, his better half in uh, Fantasy League as well. So congratulations to Lisa for taking the win. She, she uh, knocked out 242 points, which is a solid week. Uh, Mike Wojo finished second with uh, Mud Dog in third. Uh, we did have some... Um, some uh, more Tifosi members in the top 10. Uh, we had uh, uh, Steve Thompson, or better known as Dwayne Blue Tranny, in 
in fourth place. Uh, Tyler Williamson finished a tie for sixth. That's a fat boy, 1999. Um, so, so not too bad representation from Tafosi in the top 10. Uh, wrapping up the uh, overall league standings, um, and Adrian is still uh, in the lead with a 110-point lead over Team Dewan. North-South Racing is in third. So uh, uh, we got Bristol coming up. Um, it should be a, I think it's going to be a hard race to figure out uh, just because there's so many, so many moving parts to this final race that's coming up here, uh, final race of this round of the uh, playoffs. Right. So Kansas, and then what do we like for Bristol, which is actually going on as we speak? The joys leading right now. It's kind of weird having a NASCAR race going on while we're. It feels like the first or uh, first weekend of the racing season when they had the duels on when we're on the podcast. Well, I think the discussion this week has really been about silly season. Where's everybody going next year? And, uh, boy, there's just tons of rumors and innuendo and different things going on. We had some driver announcements earlier uh, today with uh, Trackhouse and Zane Smith. Uh, it seems like Trackhouse has too many drivers to me. There was also a big uh, uh, charter purchase, right? Well, see, the whole thing is they hired Zane Smith at Trackhouse as a fourth driver, but they only have three cars. So Spire Motorsports bought a charter for $40 million from Go Fast Racing, I think. And uh, and then Zane Smith is gonna drive for Spire like on a, on a lease or on a one-year loan or something. The uh, price tag on the, on the charter, what'd you think of that? Well, I think it was six million dollars for a charter just four years ago, and now it's forty. No wonder Dale Junior's not in that cup, especially well, when they don't have the new TV deal laid out, right? The one driver, um, I forget his name, who runs his own team. I, uh, he's one of the the low BJ end teams. McLeod. I forget it. Yeah, maybe it was BJ McLeod. He was saying on Twitter today that this is really the end of the low-end teams. I mean, this is a rich boys play club at this point, the way the charter pricing has gone. And uh, it's going to exclude teams like him. I don't know if he can complain, though. His his charter just went from whatever he paid for it through the roof if he sells it. That, how can you right. complain as a rich boy sports? Because you just got rich if you sell it. When was it ever not a rich boys play club? What was I saying? The pinnacle of racing? And, you know, it's hard to say what the value of these things are. It's, it's really how much money somebody's willing to spend for it, too. And so the question is, is who, where did Spire get this money? And, and uh, I, think, I think Donnie said it was uh, Andretti and Gainsbridge, um, the ones that are trying to get into F1 and all that. And they're trying to buy into NASCAR, apparently. Um, got some big sponsorship, apparently. So we can't say much about, um, I guess, this week, obviously. Uh, or unless you want to make your predictions right now as the race is going. I predict it's going to be ruined by rain. They did move it up early or earlier to, tr to try to help that. So it may just get shortened. They keep going to the radar, so we'll see what happens. Well, I think Martin Truex Jr. is who I'm watching uh, tonight. 
you know, how's it going to play out for him? Can Kevin Harvick make something happen? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was crazy. Truex was out of that race two laps in last week. That was that was terrible. Well, whatever Mike's looking at, uh, only one of those is doing good right now. I put money on Alex Bowman and Corey LaJoy getting a top 10. Ooh, those are some good odds. Living large or strapped for cash, it's all good at Metro Ford Chicago. Metro Ford delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 30 Five years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's hit up some hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. Opening up with a little bit of a software. Been hearing guys talk about it all week about trading paints acting weird. And we have a fix. Yep. Um, if you're seeing paints that look odd, it's because... You go into NSIM options and uncheck the video memory swap high-res car option under graphics. The SIM is stamped the number, which is in some a weird spot. This is the iRacing cache acting up. It's not a trading paints problem. So if you don't have that check marked to swap high-res cars, then you potentially could see the problem. They show another tweet where they actually show where the check mark is in the lower right in the graphics section. Is that a new tab? I don't recognize it. Has it only been here for a couple of builds? No, that's been there for no. a long time. I've never known yeah, exactly what it does. But uh, yeah, there's an article they also posted about it, but it said there's nothing that can be done on our end. They are working with iRacing to get to the bottom of it. Well, Justin, how do you feel about the projections on the new video, on this, or on this next video? Yeah, uh, Basement Formula posted a video asking if using a BenQ projector works as well enough, well enough in iRacing. And I actually haven't seen this video yet, but this projector looks phenomenal uh, from first glance. It does. I mean, he's got like a, a kind of a wraparound oval-ish kind of screen. And he's got three projectors um, hanging from the ceiling. Uh, they're 1080p four millisecond delay and he the video he basically says it is quick enough to to race with so a lot of people were concerned about projectors having delays because when you use three of them you have to use some software to kind of stitch them together and that software can present delays and so he ran it at uh 4k at 60 hertz with a 16 millisecond delay, and then he ran it in another uh, pattern as well. But the overall consensus was it was fine. Now, my concern with this kind of setup is heat and noise from the projectors. And you need a ton of space. That's one way to uh, heat your uh, house in the, in the winter. It's definitely going to bring up your electric bill as well on top of, because of the heat being produced unless you're using it to reduce i mean if you don't if you have to heat more than often than cool might be a good thing but if, if you live in arizona probably not 
Finder. It's a hard no for me. <laughs> is it just me or does it just, it doesn't seem like it looks that great. I mean, it could be perspective based, but it just doesn't seem that great. Well, it almost doesn't have, it almost doesn't feel realistic. And I guess that's, I'm really spoiled by VR. So, cause even the triples don't feel that realistic. Um, but it, especially with the curves, it almost, there's some places where the angle just seems wrong. It's almost like he's got too much angle on these screens um, to me. Um, yeah, I don't I'm know. Actually, is it worth it? That's the thing. I don't think it's worth it. I'm actually surprised it's not more distorted, uh, you know, because it's just one projector projecting around this, you know, this hemispherical uh, screen. And you would think that would start really, really throw off the image. But um while while it is, you do see some distortion. It's not nearly as bad as I, I would have thought it would have been. So uh, there's actually three um, projectors, Brian. Go to the 25 second mark of the video. Yeah, you can see, see the three. joint. Yeah. Uh huh. But it's yeah, still you don't have a bezel. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's still better than a bezel. <laughs> Four, the 4K when he gets further into the video here and he shows the difference between the 4K and the 1080P. The 4K one kind of looks more like there's, it seems like it's um, missing color. Like it's just, it seems more gray. I think it's cloudy. Yeah, but I just, I just feel like it, it was missing. You're right. Color. Look at the sky, uh, Greg. The blue sky is way different. Yeah, because it's not a blue sky. It's a gray sky. It's cloudy. It's not the same track he's comparing side by side. That's kind of odd, but. I don't know. I mean, I, projectors are uh, an idea. I, I I just think the noise and heat is a, a hard no for me. Um, the screen, it looks expensive that he has. So I know projectors like that are probably at least $1,000 each. you got to get three of them. Can't you get for like $3,000, get that good VR, that one 4K VR? You could do the 55-inch triples. Like, I've been drooling over. Uh, do proper triples. Big triples. Well, you know, now, Tom, the, the, we, look, I was going to throw this over to Tom. Tom, you were talking about doing a triple purchase here soon. I mean, what are your thoughts? Are we lost, Tom? Yeah, he must have stepped All right, away. Sorry, Brian. No problem. I was going to say, don't, don't the factory, uh, factory sims have uh, projectors on it? I think it's on a flat screen, but still, and it's a huge screen. But isn't that what the factory shoes um, for... Um, there's Sims, like yeah. Chevy and Ford, yeah. Yeah, but I think but it is the best of the best, <laughs> right? And, it's not something, and, you and, it's, and it's its own written software that runs the program. It's not using a software to manipulate the picture. Well, back in the day, I used to work in commercial audiovisual in hotels, and I can tell you that with projectors and stitching. Uh, projector screens together. There's definitely consumer grade hardware and there's commercial grade hardware. And I bet you for sure that the manufacturers like Chevy are are using these commercial grade projectors that you know are probably two millisecond or less and very high knit brightness and so forth. Um, that cost several thousand dollars, not like a consumer uh, you know projector like we're seeing in, the, in these videos. There's a reason that they have Ford, Chevy, and Toyota have their own Sims and not the teams have aren't doing their own 
in-house sims. Christ, right? Well, Mike, I definitely think Hugh should cover the next one. You, oh, yeah. Alex K shows us how lighting. <laughs> the Philips Hue lighting system was one of his next sim erasing upgrades, complete with tutorial. Um, so tutorials on this are kind of hard to come by. Uh, lots of times when I have found them on YouTube, they're in foreign languages. Uh, so it's nice to see a new video or a newer video that covers this topic. And um, I actually watched it and kind of did a refresh of my Philips Hue setup by going into the Philips Hue app, readjusting the position of the light. Like you have to put these little dots on a picture of a television inside the app uh, as part of the process. And then you have to, um, while you're in the game or in the sim, uh, either draw a window or go full screen of what you're trying to replicate the light from. So typically you draw a box along the dash of the car you're driving. And that way it picks up the lighting that's hitting that dash basically and changes accordingly. And so if you're buying into the Philips Hue lighting system for ambient lighting is what it's for, uh, this is a great video to get you on the right track on how to set it up, how to use it effectively, uh, there's different setup for day driving and there's a different setup for night driving. And so um, it's good to, to, to go through a video like this if you're trying to set that up. I love the system. I think it's expensive. It's, you know, at the end of the day, I have three bulbs above and I have two bars and I have a big long strip. So I have five devices and a hub and I've probably have invested five or $600 into it. But it's a nice upgrade. It really is. Now, Mike, did you have that running when we were at uh, Darlington? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it would get bright as I go down the back stretch, um, as the, the sun was hitting the dash. Absolutely. It's subtle though. It's not like it, it's very subtle effect. But with the wind sim and the light. Um, and the noise from the wind sim, it all together is a really neat touch. And so uh, if you're looking for an upgrade, yeah, this is Philips Hue is a neat uh, idea. I still think about um, the Boosted Media video when he had it set up. Now, he had it set up in um, uh, a set of course, and I think... Um, and the, he was doing it in the rain with lightning flashes. And I thought that was really cool. Obviously, we don't have that in iRacing at this time. But um, that, that was the one thing that I remember seeing that really stood out as the potential of what Hue, Hue Lighting can do. Unrealistic. It's, we don't race in thunderstorms. It's, the other thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to caution everybody, it's, it's hard to dial it in perfectly. Okay, every car is different. You're going to have to make adjustments depending on what time of day it is. Um, this aren't, it isn't like a set and forget. Now, that's how I've done it. I've set it up and I kind of forget about it. And it's not perfect. Okay, so like if there's lightning while I'm driving, I might get a, a, a glimpse of it, but it's not going to be that dramatic effect that he was able to dial in. The other way that you got to remember with that boosted media is he was blacking out everything he was making sure the lights were very directional and pointed in a very specific way 
at a specific part of his body and so forth. So he really had to dial it in to get that perfect effect. Um, and, and it can be a struggle if you think that, oh, I'm going to set this up once and it's going to be perfect. It, it can be a challenge to get it, get it to where it works. All right, Justin, let's talk about the Gomez Hyper P1. Yeah, Devender Singh, I don't know how to say that last name, uh, reviews on his own YouTube channel, the Gomez Industries Hyper P1 Wheel. Um, I haven't watched this video yet. Um, I'm just an oval guy. I'm learning about these these um, formula wheels. This uh, you know wheel's been around for a while, but we got a new review of it here. Um, these things aren't cheap. <laughs> you know, I just did a Google search on it and hit shopping, and you know, Track Racer has one on sale for thirteen hundred dollars. Micro Center one thousand four hundred forty with dual clutch. So isn't it about the range of that type of wheel though these 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 days? It it is it is. Um, the review was good. Um, yeah, he didn't have a lot At of a glance, it looks like about it. I like, I like the kind of gold finish or not gold. Well, yeah, golden red finish. And those, those colors are kind of my favorite colors there on those, on the knobs. And you can change that too, Mike, or Dave, um, when you, when you place the order for it, it's customizable. You pick the color you want your knobs and all to be, and that's how it comes. Uh, for, oh yeah. For, because, uh, well, there's neon lighting, too, if you look at the beginning of the video, around the knobs. Yeah. If if I was big into formula racing and wasn't in VR and, uh, you know, had unlimited budgets, this this would be the, I think this would be the one I'd be going with as far as formula wheels. I think this is the best one that I've seen. The Porsche one that we saw last week was really good, too, but um, that was like 22 that's $1,000 almost more than this particular one. So, um, yeah, I, I would put this at the top of my wish, you know, my wish list if I was doing something like that. I feel like, I feel like when I look at this, it reminds me of, it's like the top gun of steering wheels. It's got, it's like, it's an instrument gauge. It feels like just the whole front of it, but it's beautiful looking. I love, I love the finishes on it. Like Dave was saying with the colors and if you can have different anodized colors would be really good, but this is definitely, definitely the best of the best for what you're, uh, if you're looking at go, I would definitely look into this wheel too. If I, if I was going for something like that. Um, made in the United States. You know, I think that's a, a, a factor um, for a lot of Americans. Um, we want to try to buy in the U.S. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, their website is great. I'm looking at the website now, and you click on the Hyper P1, and you can pick, like, the pre-designed colors, like the Tony Kanon green or the, you know, the bright purplish one or the yellow uh, or you can like, like Brian said, customize from there. Um, you can even pick what hub you want to go with it. You know, if you have a semi cube, uh, wheelbase, they can, uh, you can actually get the quick release right from them to go mounted straight onto the wheel. That's a, that's a key thing when you're, uh, when you're looking at these sites nowadays too, to have the right hub attachments instead of trying to order the wheel from one site and then the hub attachment from another site like it's that's really convenient that they and well thought out that they add that into their site and you can ask them to install it as well so it comes pre-installed so if you have a dd1 
you can order the Fanatec Podium Hub to be pre-installed on your uh, Gomez wheel. Now, which one did Donnie get? Is this the one Donnie got, or did he get the one without the display? I'm not sure about that one. I'm not either, but um, the other concern about this is weight. Um, I heard it's heavy, and any kind of heavy wheel can really dampen your 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 force feedback on the motor. And so you have to be careful about having too heavy of a wheel. I don't think that matters nowadays as much of the direct drives than it did before when it was like your driven or belt driven wheels. Um, yeah, that's a good that point. They used to have right the the direct drives are, you know, so so much force is just coming straight through on there. I don't think I don't think it makes a huge difference. And having a heavier wheel too would help with some of the control too with the direct drive. Anyway, really good review. Um, a nice look at this wheel again. It, it's certainly, like David said, valid choice to pick uh, when you're in a market, uh, you know, in that price range. All right, Brian, are we looking at your next motion rig? Uh, so not for me, but um, CXC Simulations has a off-road truck simulator, and it's basically a truck. So it's like a full, a full body truck that is on these giant motion actuators. And uh, they, they said everybody's loving it. I don't see how you could not love it. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's like a full size rig. I don't know where the screens and all are, you know, on this thing. Uh, maybe it's just VR. And um, if it is, then what's the point of having a full body truck? I don't know, but it's still pretty cool because this whole truck is moving as you're driving in an off-road race it's pretty cool if i go to the VR. second picture you'll see it's vr uh, did we just do an article uh, just yeah. like this very similar no um yeah i think we did the, the question i need answered right now brian is if steve thompson put this in his house would he hit the roof of his uh, would he hit when he's testing it out would he damage the roof this time instead of his wall with this motion <laughs> Probably would. I mean, it's a full-size vehicle, and it's you know probably two, three feet off the ground almost uh, to get the actuators under it so it can move it around freely. So it's going to take up some space for sure. But then again, and, and again, if you're in VR, why, why do you need to have all this if it's just for VR? Uh, that's that's what gets me kind of kind of weirded out. Good point. Maybe because it's more of a commercial opera. You know, this is for commercial purposes. You put this in a theme park or something and people pay to, or pay to just line yeah. up to get into it. Yeah. It's part of the attraction. You see other people in it and it looks really cool. looks like he's got a Vero uh, arrow uh, VR headset too. The only thing about this design is I see this, like you said, a full size vehicle and even if it might not have an engine in it and stuff, there's certainly some weight to it. I mean, there's real tires on this and wheels and there's suspension parts and everything. I mean, it's like a full-size vehicle kind of mounted up on these three or four actuators right in the middle. And I'm just like, well, how is that thing even holding it up, let alone, you know, jostling it about and moving it about? The whole thing looks kind of precarious, but yeah. My question is: Is does it fit also like sit down compact so that they can get it out of there, or does it stay up on those uprights the way it is and kind of you just have to roll it around? It? Like it just seems like it's really hard to 
How would you move it from places to place? Yeah, ship it. Yeah, take it apart. And yeah, it looks like it would be a little bit cumbersome. Now, CXC simulations, I mistakenly thought this was um, the uh, motion company that Joe Owen bought from, but Joe Owen bought from a different place. This place is out of Southern California, CXC, and they, they're known for having the what I call shock absorbers on the back of the seat. So they have like two big old shocks that come to the top corner of the seat and they mount down at the cockpit and they just kind of move the seat, you know, about. And that's what they're famous for um, as far as their core product. Next up, friend of the show, Dave Cam reviews the SimLab XP1 load cells. It's not. A, it's about a twenty-two minute long video. I didn't get time to watch it. Who did? I got parts of it. Um, lots of adjustability. Um, put in, you know, different elastomers and easy to adjust. Like you don't need tools to adjust. It was one of the the caveats. Um, he liked them. You know, I don't think he was crazy about them, but everything. You know, SimLab puts out is is decent, and uh, this is no exception. Now, you compare these, for example, to the cube controls that we saw. The cube controls were load cell as well, and they were eleven hundred dollars, and you couldn't even get a clutch. And then there was a problem with the 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 preload slipping every time you push the pedal. And so, you compare that to this, which is five hundred and thirty nine dollars. You can get a clutch, you know, and, and for to for make it seven hundred dollars for all three. And like I said, SimLab is known for quality. All right, we still got a few topics on the script, Mike. But uh, do you see any of them you want to hit before we move on to results? Because we are getting a little time crunched. Um, yeah, let's do the last one uh, briefly before we move on. The next level racing FGT Elite cockpit has been reviewed by Will Ford at Boosted Media. It's a convertible style cockpit that allows you to go from GT to formula style, thus the name of it. Now, as Will graciously points out, it's not easy to convert from one to the other. You basically have to take everything apart and kind of start over because everything is kind of interconnected. And so it is possible, but his take is you're going to set it one way and you're going to forget it. It's not like you're going to switch this thing out on a daily uh, routine. When I started first looking at rigs, I considered looking into this, you know, for, for one reason, I just wondered if it would actually be more comfortable to sit in formula one position because of sitting in a chair and having the tailbone fall asleep on you, you know? Um, but every rig I looked at that that switches, it it was too much of a process. Yeah, I don't I don't see how you can make it easily convertible without sacrificing tons of the stability and all that you get in one of these eighty twenty rigs. The more adjustments Maybe. you got, the weaker it is, and the more flex usually. Good point. And talking about flex. There's some flex. Um, if you look at where he's flexing the wheel around the 23-minute mark, um, this is what turned me off from buying Next Level Racing initially when I bought my rig. Uh, when I was going to buy the SimLab P1X, 
it was a close tie with the uh, Next Level Racing GT uh, edition that they had out brand new at the time. And one of the reasons I didn't pick it was the the, the small amount of movement you see in the, the wheelbase when you move it about. And so that was enough for me to pick a different option. And, and seeing this video, you know, some two or two years later, I really feel good I picked the right one because the flex is still there. Not much, but it's there. Now, I think it has to do with the uprights not being straight up and down. They're at an angle, which is like, uh, you know, this, this company's uh, style, or I guess is the way to say it. But they always put the uprights at an angle. Okay, we're going to jump over to results, NIS. Let's uh, finish up uh, last week. And there are none for last week. Am I missing something here? Don't you got to go all the way down to Wednesday open because the pod doing yeah something day. got mixed up here sorry yeah so let's start with wednesday oh well we had kansas uh to finish up so let's talk about kansas uh it looks like we have kansas sunday open tony p22 started p24 ran a really a clean and uneventful race got to 40 to go and some guy fenced a guy then came down across my nose and the car was dead the guy apologized i would be lying if i said i hadn't done something dumb on here <laughs> uh sunday fix justin p last yeah this was the shortest race i've ever ran uh half a lap guy spun in front of me i picked the wrong lane a little bit of damage got it fixed up by the, the next restart and then a guy spun directly in front of me and got the meatball done. Wow. Not even one full lap, huh? Nope. All right, let's move on to Wednesday open at Bristol. I got a DNF about lap 150, a huge pileup for five cars. They were up against the wall. I came around the corner. I was on the high end at full speed. I didn't even see them at all. And I plowed right into them. 50 seconds uh optional and over 10 minutes required i couldn't even drive it back to the pit i actually got some repairs done and i went back out and i was trying to roll around the apron just to get another lap and as i rolled around the apron i lost control of the car and it went up onto the track and i quickly hit the escape key and i got out before somebody wrecked into me but uh yeah dnf for me david p6 yeah, before I talk about that, I've seen that kind of a wreck happen at Bristol, you know, live, uh, even in a Legends race where they had a bunch of older fellas running a race. And I don't know if they were running without spotters or not, but a guy came around and T-boned a guy at full speed. And that wasn't even a pileup. Uh, yeah, P6. I think I was the only survivor of the night, man. It was carnage for Tavosi. Harry's getting knocked out. And I was uh, I was doing my best to stay out of trouble and, and actually ended up with 16 next with 20 to go um and there was even a caution after that which i could have gotten involved in evaded it uh and so the next start was going to be green white checkered and at that point i realized everybody that was laps down was like two or three laps down and if i 
so, because they had all gotten their 16x penalty already. So at that point, I realized I would not serve the black flag. I would just take one lap penalty and at least still finish about 15th or so. Um, so I was a little bit less worried, but I did still, I just, I stayed safe um, and survived to come home sixth. The race had a lot of cautions, but was not as bad as like a Martinsville usually was, or even the last Darlington I ran. Um, and I actually, with the 16X, gained an entire point of safety rating. Long race. All right, Justin, P27. Yeah, um, I had a fast car. I, it was on me. I just overdrove it on the outside. I got so caught up in not going a lap down. I. Yeah, I was scared because the last race I went a lap down, could never catch it up, and yeah, I screwed up. Right. And then Chris Waldron. Let me interrupt. At Bristol, you can still finish 10th a lap down sometimes, so you you almost have to think of it that way. Yep, and Chris Waldron ran. He got a P19. Should have drove around for the first 400 laps. Was P8 and got wrecked on lap 150. After 15 minutes of repair, I finished P19, 80 laps down, passed 11 cars while racing a wreck. Greg, it says you killed it. Yeah, I think Tom, Tom should write the same thing right below it because I uh, I was following him on the exit of a corner and his car got loose and went straight down to the wall and I did the exact same thing, followed him straight down to the inside wall. It was pretty much the same wreck with each other. I think I did more damage and kept going, but. I just totally destroyed the car. It never got loose all race coming off the corner like that. Actually, I think the only other time is when I actually had a little bit of contact with David when, when he yelled at me for not racing him with tires against no tires. But uh, that was just a mistake on my part. Yeah, I mean, I, I was more speaking to the whole crowd, like like I said on on that. There was a lot of guys, whether there was tires or not. If somebody runs, if somebody does run me down, unless there's somebody that I've you know have a reason to, to harass, I I will just go ahead and tuck in behind them. Not just because it's better for them, but I use up less car instead of racing them for ten laps, and usually have a better long run on the long run. I was having the uh, uh, the glitch from uh what do you call it trading we were saying it was trading paints but obviously it looks like it's an eye racing problem but i had no paints the only paint scheme that would show up was mine david's car was it looked like it had been painted backwards because i think the headlights were in the back of the car at some point <laughs> on it it was just odd looking and there's nothing you can do when you're in the middle of the race yeah, that's where that JRT relative that, you, that I custom that I created that shows me uh, where, where my teammates are on the relative is really handy because you always show up as green and then I can always see the uh, the guys that I don't want to be nice to as well. Hey, Thursday fix, Justin P17. Oh yeah, um, P17. I I made it to lap. 150 uh i actually led 80 laps of this and i got 12 x's on restarts so everybody just checking up and hit me and then i eventually i think i went down to third place and the guy in second place tried to pass me and washed up and got me i was done and the tony put wrecked out couldn't avoid a spinning car let's move on to friday open Bristol. I ran uh, right before halfway. I was sitting at 16 incidents and six minutes optional damage. 
finally um i got a dq'd out for completing too many incidents i think i was at 25 um tom dryling he ran he also dq'd out uh, as well um tony rochette p4 avoided stuff stayed clean uh lap cars blocked him from racing against second and third with 10 to go i actually uh, spotted for tony the last few laps of his race there were only four cars on the lead lap and he was uh finished fourth basically so great run for him um and that's see what other results did we run here i ran some chris mcguire hosted supercars at michigan we had to pit for fuel and when we did nobody could get fuel everybody was actually stuck in the pit and the pit cars would not fuel the pit crews would not fuel the car so there's some kind of bug um chris said he was going to report it to iRacing, like write him an email or something but yeah i mean um he set up a fuel mileage race and they wouldn't give us fuel and so nobody won the race it was odd and with that we're gonna jump to final thoughts david hall bye merch that's all yeah get some good merch quality uh so far has been really good the mouse pad i got very pleased with it couldn't be better greg hectus final thought i actually was just looking back to see what episode i he made my first appearance on the podcast and it was episode 117 so i've been around since the 117 mark which was march of uh 2018 so that's how long i've been around team tofosi and the irish Lounge. i was a, i was a listener way up before that but that's how long i've been on the show it's, it's great to see that we got to this point um i look forward to another 400 episodes um, I'm hoping the Sims around long enough to have four more under 400 more episodes and there's all kinds of content for the next bit of time. But, uh, Mike, thanks for, uh, keeping this going all the time. I know we didn't get to Thursday this week, but we kind of just made it work tonight. Um, uh, we moved it back half an hour so I could even get in tonight cause I was, uh, work, I worked a 13 hour shift today, but, uh, um, yeah. I just want to say congratulations to all the guys that make this uh, podcast what it is. Yeah, and we didn't do anything super, you know, super special because this fell when when we're things are just crazy right now. Um, plus, it's four hundred. I, I think we're going to save it all up for the five hundred and do something huge. There is four hundred. There's a four hundred dollar or four hundred episode sweater. Is there not on the merchandise site? Yeah, that's I pretty much designed that because that's I, I need a new hoodie, and so I was like, I'll just get that. So there's one with the 400 on there. Um, so if you want that, shoot, check it out. I think I asked somebody in Discord how many podcasts have done 400 episodes. I don't think there's a lot of them, to be honest. If they're at 400, they're a daily podcast, not a weekly podcast. Right, 400 on a weekly, yeah, that's something to say. Um, anyway, I'm real proud of it. I don't think I've done all 400. I think I've missed probably five to eight of them. Uh, usually I miss one over Thanksgiving or Christmas. I usually skip one. but And so it's been going on for seven or eight years now. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy about it, and uh, let's just keep it rolling. All right, Brian McCubbin, final thought? 
Yeah, I also want to um, thank everybody for listening. Um, you guys are all the reason that we're here and that we do this. We Obviously, we love iRacing and we love uh, talking about it. Um, but, you know, without people to listen, it's not a really a show. Um, and also, I want to th- thank Mike uh, quite a bit. He won't take... The, nearly the credit that it's is due him to keep this going. He he is uh, the force behind this whole operation. Um, he's he's does so much work for it. You guys have no idea, and it's all for the for the love of the racing and the love of uh, talking about it and getting it out to you, getting it out to you guys who are listening. So, thank you, Mike, um, and everybody else too who who puts in tons of work. David, tons of work. Greg, tons of work, and everybody else who contributes to this podcast. Yeah, it takes a village, and you're right. I do the content. Somebody's got to, but I don't. I don't spend a lot of time on it, to be honest. Maybe ten minutes a day, at the most, uh, seven days a week, and uh, and then two hours during record, and maybe thirty minutes when we uh, post the, but, the show. But I think, Mike, if you even look at if, if somebody just had an eagle view, or it was just was in our messenger, wasn't participating in it, but even like saw our messenger and how we interact all week and leading up to the show, the content that's added or the discussions that go on in messenger, you know, that's where a lot of the passion comes from. We can see it a lot of the times with you as well. You know, you're always trying to stir up something conversation wise. Um, today was a big, I, I, I know I put my phone down for 10 minutes or 15 minutes at work and I came back with a whole discussion about track house. So yeah, so we keep it going and it's fun. And so we're always looking for people to join us, this particular group. If you want to get involved in the podcast and the production of it, uh, let us know. Hit me up. All right, Justin Pearson, final thought. Yeah, I just want to say congrats, guys, on your 400th episode. Uh, it, it's crazy to think about. Uh, just two years ago, I was a fanboy and I kind of based my rig decisions on um, Mike when he was building his. You know, I was just a listener. I thought, man, it'd be cool to be on here. And next thing I know, I sent you guys a message and I blink and I'm on a podcast. I'm like, what the heck? So. But to, yeah, to go off of Mike's, you know, statement about, you know, getting to new team members, it's, it's really easy. Just contact somebody and say, Hey, and be down to earth. And, and yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Come race with us and win. That's part of it too. Then another uh, thing. Not- <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Mike. Then another thing too, I think it would help out also is if the listeners, when you guys do buy merch, if you could just post a selfie or a picture of you wearing the merch and post it on our discord, and maybe you guys can elaborate on where to put it on the discord. But I think that would help a lot. Definitely tag us if you tweet it or anything in socials. Yeah, we want to see it for sure. I'll put up some pictures of my stuff as well as it comes in. As far as uh, the podcast, yeah, the listeners is what it's all about, guys. And uh, it's always fun to interact and race with people that are listening to the show. And 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 I kind of like doing the show for that lone guy out there. There's there's so many iRacers that are not on a team. They're just one-man shows. And how do they get knowledge about the sim about the hardware scene and i'm glad that we have that outlet for them uh the, the, those loaners can listen to us talk as a group uh we we you know on a weekly basis about what's going on and and i think there's a lot of value there and um, i'm glad to hear from listeners that like to hear it 
Bomb Dryling, you were here briefly. I don't know if you're still here. Yeah, I'm still here. I just right, think, your final I got thought. in a little late. Uh, it's been great with the team. Uh, I don't even know how long I've been with you guys. Unfortunately, because of my work schedule, I'm not able to be on the podcast and everything. Hopefully in November, if something goes right between us, I'll come back for a, a nice little talk. Okay. Well, let's talk about the points championship. You and I are in deep battle for the championship lead. You have it by, what, 130-something points right now? Uh, what are you yeah, thinking as we go into these final uh, drop weeks? Uh, I think the drop weeks are going to be major. Um, I I like a few of the tracks. I don't like a couple of tracks. I think it'll be a lot of fun. It will. And I'm glad that it's you and I uh, racing it out, keeping each other on us, making us earn it. Uh, you're going to win it. I'm going to win it. There is a guy in third that's coming. Hopefully uh, he he will, won't be in the mix. It'll just be the two of us. Yeah, like I've said before, uh, I'll be happy either way if it's one of us two, as long as uh, the car has iRacers Lounge on it. There you go. It's been a great year. I've had some good wins. You've had uh, some win. Uh, you've had how many wins? One, I think? Uh, just one at California so far. Right. And I believe I've had two. So, yeah. So, uh, the problem I have in this championship is you're a roughly a thousand I rating more than I am right now. So you're getting more points for the same finish. So yeah, I have a steep hill to climb and I know it, but uh, you might falter and I'll be right there. There's a reason why we run all the races. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks Tom for coming on and talking. Uh, yeah, we definitely have you on at the end of the season. We'll wrap up the, the competition here. Uh, my final thoughts. Yeah. I can't believe 400. Um, we, I've been running the same work schedule for about two or three years and it's worked out great for the podcast. However, everything changes at Verizon. They fired 70% of us and shipped, uh, those jobs overseas. I'm one of the r remaining 30%. I've been retrained, uh, repurposed. I'm, I'm tech support now. And, and that means the new schedule. And so we're bidding on new schedules. It'll start November 5th. I have no idea what my days off are going to be. It might not be the same days off, which means we're going to reschedule the podcast recording. So that's daunting. It's trying to herd cat, trying to get the people to show up at the right time every week. So um, I'm kind of nervous about that. I hope uh, we can figure out a good recording time that works with my schedule and, and keep this thing going. So that's my concern, but uh, we'll work it out, I'm sure. Um, happy to hear from listeners. If you guys uh, like what we're doing, hit us up on the social media and let us know. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Facebook and Twitter. See you on the track.